Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA. Good evening and welcome to the third episode of Sports Talk, your one-stop shop for everything Bryanston and world sport related. I'm your presenter, Dr. Pullen, and I'll be taking you through the next hour and a half from the Bry Radio student. And what a show we have lined up in our Bryanston Sports section for Match of the Week. We are this week taking a look at the indomitable rise of the Bryanston Football First Eleven, completing an, a six-game unbeaten streak on Saturday with a 6-0 thrashing of Taunton, Taunton School. We'll also be taking a close look at hockey and rowing before a very special International Women's Day feature on female empowerment in sport. But that's not all, folks. In the second half of the show, we'll be broadening our perspective to look at the best of global sport, including Six Nations Rugby, Cricket, and for the first time on the show, Formula One. And we'd absolutely love you, our listeners, to get in contact. Uh, and you can do this by texting us on double six tripping triple seven, starting your message all importantly with Bry, or even perhaps calling us on zero triple three triple five two triple five. We'd love to hear all your opinions on on the, on the viewpoints that are expressed in the show. And that's about it for me to kick us off. So let me introduce you to our wonderful opening team of pundits. Uh, uh, for today's show. It's got a sort of football-heavy uh, focus to start with. On my right, I've got uh, uh, the vice-captain uh, of the Bryanston Football First Eleven, Tom Jay, also goal-scoring extraordinaire. Welcome to the studio, Tom. Are you excited to be on radio? Yeah, thank you for having me. It's no, it's, it's, it's an absolute honour to be in the presence of such a... Uh, f- footballing royalty and even more importantly I've got the captain uh, of the Bryanston Football First Eleven uh, Mr. Uh, Philip N Welcome to the show Philip, are you excited to be on air? I'm very excited Thank well, you for having me. Well lovely to have you too. So we're going to open up fittingly with our feature called Match of the Week uh, which this week uh, couldn't really be anyone else other than uh, the First Eleven after an astonishing uh, win uh, on Saturday against uh, Taunton School. And we'll get to that in, in, uh, in a second. I just, first of all, while we've got these chaps in the studio, uh, I'm intrigued to find out a little bit more about their background in football uh, and their journey to get to where they are now. So, chaps, um, perhaps if I start with Philip, uh, tell me about where your passion for the game developed. Well, I lived in the Czech Republic uh, yeah. before I came to Bryanston, and I played like club level and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of just played my whole life, and now I'm here. Fantastic, fantastic. And Tom, what about you? Yeah, pretty similar, except I wasn't in the Czech Republic. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was in a, I don't know, I just kind of always grew up in a sporting family, so mm-hmm. I kind of did whatever I could all year round, and then yep. it was obviously part of that. Yeah. Then played through school, uh, played for a club when I was younger, and then came to Branson. Obviously, we, did, we didn't play for a while, and um, this year when we found out it was, it was going to be a main sport, it was... It's quite nice because it's something I used to enjoy. Yeah, fantastic. So, boys, yeah, just tell me a little bit about your reaction when you found out uh, football was coming right into the focus uh, of, of of the spring term. I know, uh, Tom, for example, you, you have many other winter sports you play. How did you feel when you found out football was going to be offered, though, as a core sport? I felt quite excited. Yeah. Um, yeah, just excited, really, because, so, yeah, as you said, I play, um, I play rugby and uh, previously hockey as well. Um, but hockey I'm not the biggest fan of and football I feel like people have been quite passionate about it here for quite a few years yeah. so it's actually quite nice that it's actually coming to the fray and we can actually actually play some proper football Fantastic and what about you Philip? 
Well, yeah, I've been waiting since like D to play. Yeah. Because there's always been like ECAs and you know, extra stuff. Me and my friends can uh, just like go play. Um, but yeah, the main sport now is brilliant. And like so many people are doing it. There are four different teams. I feel like it's a very popular sport. Okay, yeah, and we'll, we'll talk a little about, bit about uh, more about the successes you guys have had on the pitch. I'm firstly li- a little bit intrigued to find out uh, or tell our listeners a little bit about what were your sort of roles in the team. So, um, uh, Tom, can you just describe to me sort of where, who your sort of football icon is perhaps and how you see yourself on the pitch? What's your role in the team? F- football icon, currently, well, so I'm a Liverpool fan, so yeah. my icon would be Steven Gerrard. Okay. Um, but weirdly, I also love Trent Alexander-Arnold. I know yeah. he's a Liverpool player, but I'm a striker. Yeah. And he's a defender. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I play up front. Um, and I just kind of, uh, like, I've scored a few goals, but they've been pretty easy goals. Oh, well, um, I mean, I uh, saw a sort of sa- a Salah-esque goal on Saturday, which we'll, <laughs> we'll get to perhaps. Um, and, and Philip, what about your, your sort of, uh, what, what role do you play in the team? I'm like centre mid. Um, so I kind of play the balls up to Tom and he, yeah. he finishes them off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we kind of play like through the middle, up to the top, up to yeah. the sides. Um, so yeah. 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 A bit, a bit, a bit, a bit, uh, it might be a bit before your time, but your, your performance on Saturday was sort of Andrea Pirlo-esque, <laughs> I felt, just pulling all the strings from midfield. Uh, uh, the little, the, the, the general, um, but no, these two boys, um, I mean, I, I'm not qualified to talk about football. I do watch quite a bit of it. They're both very good players. Um, which is quite a nice sort of segue uh, onto this amazing season you guys have had. I mean, I know there were some tough results to start with, but um, uh, but how do you feel it's been recently, Tom? Starting with you. Well, re- like coming in, it's it's I'm kind of shocked. So we we didn't expect. Oh, I don't know. I certainly didn't to be as like we're, we're actually quite good. Well, the results show that we're quite good. Yeah. Um, and like with Winchester. Uh, last term and like losing to a couple of schools last time and stuff um like we've got new players uh from like different sports and stuff and it just feels like a proper team um but yeah it's just it's just nice to be winning games the reason i think it is is because like we don't go into it feeling like loads, loads of pressure and stuff we just go out there and just look to enjoy football yeah that's interesting you say that it's almost like a sort of complete uh experimental no pressure environment right you are you are the sort of pioneers of Bryanston football. You're gonna you're gonna leave quite a difficult um, sort of uh, act to follow, I guess, because it really has been successful. I mean, I was looking at your results earlier after you know some tricky results last term, where perhaps the the full first eleven weren't on the pitch. I mean, really, you've only lost a couple this term, and and you've been on a six game unbeaten streak, right, Philip? Yeah. What would you say have been the highlights of, of those results? What have been the big games in that season then? Well, to start off, we had like a really tough game. I think it was yeah. against Sherborne, wasn't it? Sherborne, yeah. yeah. Sherborne. And it was 4-3. It was such a good game. Yeah. Um, and that kind of started the whole momentum. And then we just haven't really lost since. So, yeah. And yeah, for our listeners, I mean, I mean, Sherborne uh, football is, is, is decent, right? It's a proper, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a proper core sport there. Um, equivalent to ours so that's a, a really you know to get that sort of result so early um, in the season um, uh, is is fantastic and I think you know I've, I've spoken to Mr. Sangrajka and Mr. Murfin and Mr. Boot and they all see that game as you know a really important turning point uh, an important moment in the the short history um, of Bryanston um, football um, as a core sport so far so chaps apart from your good selves who would you say are sort of players to watch out for in the team? 
Henry, T- Henry, Henry Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, Henry, Taylor. Yeah. Henry Taylor. He's so good. Yeah. If you get a chance to watch his goal from the other day, I think yeah. it's on our Instagram. It's without a doubt the best free kick I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, um, and I have to say, uh, I mean, I was going to talk about this later. I was actually there, and there's a video on uh, Mr. Boot has a very funny video of me going a bit crazy in the background. <laughs> it was an unbelievable free kick. A left foot from about, uh, probably about 15 yards into his own half. Nice. It just looked good all the way. Uh, the, the head, none, no less than the headmaster. Uh, Mr. Jones, or the acting headmaster, stood next to me. Said that it would have gone into a goal like 15 yards further back. He just caught it so well. Um, so Henry, Henry T. What? Yeah, great player. What about some of the defenders? What, what's your back four like? So we play. We play back three. Back three. Um, yeah. And then we've got like wing back. So the likes of Finn yeah. and Jack. Yeah. We have loads of bees in our team actually. Yeah. So future's pretty bright. But um. Very exciting. George. 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 George as well. Yeah. Very George. Yeah. He can kind of play wherever. But we've yeah. got. A2s mainly starting in there, Joe with Joe, Luke and Tom <laughs> yeah. uh, 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 in the back three. Just leadership. Yeah. And just always perform as well. Then, and a, yeah. a nice sort of mixture of grace and physicality, I'd say, having watched, you know, uh, Tom as more of a sort of ball playing centre back and, 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 uh, and, and Joe as quite a physical presence, it's fair to say. Yeah. What, about, what about Logan in goal? Any comments on his season? He is so good. His kicks, literally the best kicks I've ever seen in my life. Like that. I don't know how to explain it, but it just creates so many chances for us and we can use him in so many different ways. It's so good. Yeah, I so mean, it, it really is. For a, for a school football team to have such a reliable presence in goal who can also, you know, offer such great long-range distribution, um, shall we say, very, very undoubtedly, uh, very helpful. Um, so, Tom, there's, there's one subject which I haven't quite yet broached with you. How many goals exactly have you scored this season? Currently, uh, well, I think I'm technically 16. Because I've had two disallowed, which shouldn't have been sixteen disallowed. goals. But, no, in no, how no. many matches? Fourteen on uh, fourteen and seven matches. Fourteen and seven matches. I mean, that is seriously impressive. Uh, and the latest of them, it has to say. I mean, you called it an easy goal. It definitely wasn't an easy goal. It was a great goal. I mean, just describe us uh, that goal. I'm talking about the first one. I didn't see oh, this yeah, one anymore. Yeah, yeah. But talk us through that. I saw a little flick over a defender and a. Well, <laughs> well yeah. Phil did the hard work and then kind of played it through to me. Yeah. And then, yeah, I was just one-on-one with a centre-back, kind of uh, dummied it one way, took yeah. it onto my left foot yeah. and then just finished into the bottom corner. Yeah, it was, it was a seriously, seriously good goal. Um, own, only matched by uh, Henry's just sort of unbelievable strike um, a couple of minutes later. So, boys, you're, you're on an un- a real unbeaten run at the moment. You've just thrashed Taunton. Uh, where can this team go? How many games do you have left? Uh, and what, what sort of fixtures do we have coming up? Do we know? We have uh, two games this week. So I think one away and then one home on Saturday. Yeah. I think they're both away. Both oh, yeah. Both away. Yeah. Both away trips. Well, I, I don't know. I think this will, will keep the streak going 100%. Um, we've got the confidence. Training's been good. I think, yeah, we'll get a few more wins. Fantastic. Fantastic. And Tom, what are your, what are your thoughts about the long-term prospects for Bryanson football? I think it's good. Yeah. We have, like, there are so many young players in the team at the moment. Loads yeah. and loads of Bs and a couple of A3s as well. Um, I tell you what, the under-15s, I don't know if you've heard much about the under-15s. They're quite a good team as well. There's some good players in there, people like Jack, uh, Jack O uh, uh, and others. Some good good, good attacking players. So, yeah, I think that the, the future of Bryanston football is um, looking bright. Well, thank you very much, chaps, for making your debuts 
uh, on Bryanston uh, uh, Bry Radio, and I'm sure all our listeners will be uh, similarly wishing all the best for the first eleven as they continue this great run. So, chaps, you're more than welcome to leave the studio now. I'm going to get in Mr. Morris, I reckon, just while we bring in some some rowers uh, to move on to the next section. Uh, and I'm going to talk to Mr. Morris, I think, a little bit about sort of Bryanston sport um, uh, then and now, because obviously. Thank you very much, gents. You can get in whoever's in next. Uh, um, so, obviously, football wasn't on offer uh, for you, uh, uh, Mr. Morris. Uh, how, how have you felt uh, watching it as an OB? Are you happy to see it as a core sport in the spring term? Yeah, and no, I'm definitely happy to see it as Fantastic. a core sport in the spring term. I think it was always a thing when I was here that people wanted to bring into the school. Yeah. And um, it's lovely to see this many people taking part in sport and having such great numbers in football. And um, I think it's only going to grow strength for strength in the future. Awesome, awesome. But we mustn't forget there is another great uh, winter sport currently going on, right, in, in terms of hockey. Absolutely. Um, and, and these two are both uh, loyal hockey uh, enthusiasts. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Morris, tell me a bit about your hockey background when you were at Bryanston. How much did you play back in the day? Uh, so, I'd never played hockey before before I came to Bryanston. Um, I was a sports scholar in D and I was sort of forced to play hockey. Wouldn't have been a choice of mine, but um, ended up playing first team hockey here. And... Um, now a coach on the junior A team with Mr. Firma Dunman, um, featuring the man to my left, Mr. Hugh F. Hello. Um, and yeah, no, that's a bit about my hockey background. Well, fantastic. And I think just hot off the press, there was a fantastic <laughs> result today, right, against Moncton Coombs. So I don't know, do, do, what, do you guys want to talk a little bit about that with me? I think I'll take a lead as Hugh was in a musical today. Oh, so, um, okay. And uh, no, so a big 5-1 win for the... Yeah junior A team today away at Moncton Coombe. Um, brilliant result in the National Cup. She gets us through to the next round. Um, probably a special mention to Rob Santona. Some wonderful skills on the display today. And um, special shout out to Drummond Black and Bailey as well. Uh, Bailey as well, who um putting great performance at the back today. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, and I should say to our listeners, uh, a sort of fan favourite for his amazing rugby and cricket knowledge, Hugh F, uh, has walked in, into the studio. I mean... This guy's received probably the most feedback of all the pundits I've had on this show in terms of his pretty encyclopedic knowledge uh, of, of cricket, rugby, uh, which we'll definitely be making uh, uh, the most of today. We've also just been joined in the studio, and they, they're welcome to take a seat while I sort of waffle on here, uh, by a couple of ra- rowers. This is a sort of musical chairs episode of Sports Talk Day. I've basically haven't thought the, the lineup through too well, and I've basically got everyone coming on essentially. But you know, it's all in the a, all in the all in the uh, uh, in pursuit of, of share, sharing sharing it around and getting all, all sports covered. So if they get their headsets on, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Bryanston rowing. So we're joined here by uh, Natalia J um, and Adam Adam S. So Natalia, you're you're a Bry Radio uh, veteran, right? This is not yeah. a first time for you. Yeah, I got my Wednesday show morning, 7.30 till 8.15, so I'm quite used to the studio. Fantastic, nice little plug there. Adam, have you ever, is this, is this, is this uh, something you've done before or is this a first time? This is my first time. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, it's the first time for everything, right? Indeed. Let's 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 talk a little about a bit about rowing. So this is not a sport. Normally, I, so far in this series, I've I've kept it within my uh, comfort zone and mostly talked about sports I know about. Rowing is not something I know about. So I don't know if you guys are you able to tell us a little bit generally um, about uh, Bryanston rowing, and then maybe talk a bit about 
uh, what happened on Saturday, and I'm going to get the net. I'm going to call it a regatta, but I know that's not the right word for no, it. No, it is. It is a regatta. I, is it right? Yeah. Okay. Kind of a regatta. Yeah. Kind, kind of a regatta. Of, yeah, a little bit different. So rowing at Bryanston is probably our most successful sport alongside cross country. There we go. Big, big, uh, big claims straight <laughs> away. I, no, but it is big claims. But we yeah. can back it up. We've yeah. got wins. I mean, on Saturday, Adam knows all the stats, but. Our quads were beating university rowing quads. They beat Bristol, they beat Exeter, they beat uh, Winchester College, which isn't a university, Pangbourne, which are yeah. close competitors. A lot of main schools taking them down. Fantastic, yeah. fantastic. Uh, and who are the sort of superstars uh, uh, um, of Bryanston rowing? Superstars Bryanston rowing, well, of course. Without mentioning full names, <laughs> it just mentioned their first names. Yeah, so yeah, we've yeah. got Noah. Yeah, Noah. Uh, Noah C. Noah C, fantastic. Uh, he's a bit of a tank. His ergo times <laughs> at the moment this season have been insane. I mean, he's yeah. hitting PBs nearly the, every The best week. we've had consistently at Bryanston for the, the last five years. Actually, the yeah. average senior group has had the best time in years. I mean, I think when the A2 group two years ago were really, really competitive. Yeah, they and managed to go all the way to Henley and do quite well there. Yeah, um, and they were getting in the B finals of nationals and we're definitely in the ballpark to be achieving those goals this year, which is really exciting for both the girls and boys senior crews. Yeah. Fantastic. And what are the sort of what are the sort of flagship crews that Bryanston puts forward? Like is it like a, an eight or a four? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm so, just so at the moment, yeah. we're, we're racing mainly in the eight for the boys and then girls the are double. doing the double. Yeah. Both really successful. Yeah, Ella and I are just going in our double. I mean, the winter seasons are kind of double seasons because the water's a bit more choppy. Yeah. So going in a single, it's kind of when it's really windy, isn't that enjoyable and you don't make the most out of your sessions. But the eight, I mean, when they come on the river, everyone's like, watch out, get out the way. And they're just like... <laughs> Pummeling through the river, and you're like, Oh my goodness, and what's the lineup for that eight? The lineup for that eight, so we've got Mateo as our cox, okay. and then we've got Jamie at stroke, followed by Ollie, and then Harry, yeah. Noah, Ben, Ollie B, myself, and Conrad. Oh, no, great, great, yeah. great lineup. And so in, in terms of the, the school rowing calendar, what are the big events then? What, what should we be looking so out for? So we've got three big events for the boys uh, that I know. So on Monday, actually, we have the school's head of the river, which is the Oxford-Cambridge boat race course, but backwards. Okay. Um, so a lot of crews. We're racing 68s um, and hoping to do quite well. Then we've got national schools. Uh, May just, 24th. And May 24th. First day yeah. of half term, next term. Exciting. And then obviously Henley. So we've got Women's Henley, which is June 18th to June 20th. So Ella and I are planning to get a double out for that. And then Men Henley, Men's Henley is August. I think it might be uh, one of the last weeks of term. Yeah. Oh, July time yeah. then. So those are quite big events for us. And also for the mm -hmm. A2s. I mean, COVID last year kind of put a spanner in the works for our training and what we wanted to get. So... Mm. Hopefully we are on track this year. Yeah, to... we did quite well last year in the eight with a relatively young crew racing against people that were mainly 18 years old. And you had some of us that were still 15, 16, 17. So. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm always impressed when I go down to the boathouse. Because I said, I don't, it's not a sport I know much about. It's something I just watch in the Olympics. But you look at that, you must have a, a multi-million pound facility there. I mean, are we, are we well equipped as a school for rowing? Yeah. 
definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Our boats. I mean, so we got some nice carbon fiber boats. That, oh wow! It, that's kind of for me the top. I remember I, when yeah. I was in sea, I was looking at all the seniors and they had the smooth boats. And I was like, oh my goodness, I want to yeah. row on those one day. And then you kind of get upgraded. You make it up the yeah, packing order. Yeah. Oh, it's like sixty thousand pounds to buy one. Oh wow! It costs oh. a lot to fix as well if you wow. something. Oh yeah, we got an amazing <laughs> boat ha- boatman, Dave. Yeah, yeah. I should. I don't know if he's listening. I'll... Well, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we should, we should... <laughs> Hi, Dave. <laughs> we should also uh, give give a bit of a shout out to the rowing staff because they True. really are quite an elite team. And I, you guys are welcome to comment on them and correct mm-hmm. me. But I believe so. We got we got we got uh, Mr. Johnson, who's a former like an international uh, Olympic coach, right? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I just know Mr. Johnson because he's got the same surname as me, but he is... Oh, have I got the wrong one? There is a Mr. Johnson. So we have Mr. Johnson, who is killer at circuits. I mean, winter tyre flips in the mud. He does sometimes some rugby coaching. You are dying at the end of it. He's like, keep going. Then we've got... Yeah, Nico. Nico is a bit of a legend. He is insane. Yeah. is also more of the senior boys he does yeah. push you yeah. um, he's mr. A, a few time world uh, world champion at indoor rowing yeah. yeah he's definitely got his medals of course mr bolton is mr bolton mr. Bolton, bolton, bolton gb junior yeah. coach um yeah. he coached mr moon who yeah. Yeah. was a coach and was a yeah. junior champion at the gb yeah. miss yeah. rodford uh, th- two, three-time Olympian. Two, for, double two three Olympian, time, yeah. I mean, double Olympian. That's yeah. crazy. And, and our, on our coaching stuff is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, and those are just the medals. I mean, we have yeah. other coaches yeah. like Miss Hill. Yeah. She's absolutely amazing. I mean, yeah. she's so supportive. I, it was kind of the first female coach that I saw that was yeah. really pushing yeah. me to do well. Miss Hill's yeah. really big in the coastal rowing world as well. Yeah. yeah. She's achieved a lot in that. And then I've got James, who's my coach, and also does coastal rowing and yeah. focuses yeah. on women's techniques yeah. as well. And Miss Carty as well is a, is, is yeah. a, a, yeah. another rowing Miss coach. Miss Carty's helping Matteo Alcox with um, some steering and some tips with she's yeah really to get better. a veteran in the coxing world, so yeah. she's been giving us good tips. And guys, so rowing has a bit of a reputation of being one of those sports where you basically, it's not like cricket, say, where uh, a sport that me and Mr. Morris play, where you, you can sort of get away with not particularly having the most athletic lifestyle um, <laughs> off the pitch. But rowing famously is one where, where, where you do have to train. What's your sort of weekly training regime? Well, I'll, I'll go with a nicer one first. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, go, go. Let's so, hear first. Uh, Monday is optional training if you want to, so that's in your free time. I don't usually do that because I have ECAs. Tuesday, yeah, optional. <laughs> optional is a very loose term. It usually means you have to do it. Tuesday, do you have a morning session? Uh, we are encouraged to go for a morning swim. So some people do that. Um, I don't. But uh, we have a Tuesday session. On the river usually. Then Wednesday, there's a Wednesday morning spinning class. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got Bri Radio then, so sadly cannot make that. <laughs> but Adam goes to it. And then we have Wednesday afternoon session. Um, that's either land training, which is pretty rough, or yeah. water over the weather's nice. Mm-hmm. Thursday, we do yoga in mm-hmm. the morning. Then we've got a weight session and a rowing session on the river. Friday's weight session again. Saturday's a double indoor-outdoor session. And then Sunday's our day off. And then we do PSP on top of that. Gosh, I don't know about the rest of the studio, but that's just making me (laughs) tired. Well, Uh, it sounds like a lot, but once you get used to it, actually, it's quite nice. We're we're actually coming in on Sunday as well to get some more practice before our race on Monday. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's all very exciting to hear. So um, uh, we're going to keep Natalia in the studio because we're going to move on uh, to talking about uh, women in sport. I'm just going to wrap up a few... uh, 
Bryanston stuff from Saturday, basically, and then we're going to move into a song, um, I think. Uh, um, so basically, I think on Saturday, the other fix was Netball had a tough day at the office playing Taunton, who are famously um, a, a, a very strong team. Uh, but there were some decent results in there. Some other great football scores. I believe the 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 third eleven had a good win. I believe the under fifteen a uh, had a win. Um, so another great day um, at the office for Bryanston football. We're going to go into a quick song here. We're going to play a bit of ABBA, one of their new ones, I think, uh, if if my producer can find it. And when we get back, we're going to be talking on International Women's Day about female empowerment in sport. Very exciting stuff. Great. We'll see you in a few minutes. The sound of children's laughter Now it's quiet so I guess they left the park This wooden bench is getting harder by the hour The sun is going down, it's getting dark I realize I'm cold, the rain begins to pour As I watch the windows on the second floor The lights are on, it's time to go it's time at last to let him know
Powerful comeback words from ABBA there. It's coming up to quarter to nine uh, from your Bry Radio studio. Just a quick reminder uh, that you can get in contact by texting us on double six triple seven, starting your message with Bry, alternatively uh, emailing us uh, at Bry Radio. If you really want to, you can call. I haven't got much time to take it, but we, we could give it a go. Call us on zero triple three triple five two triple five. Now, it's a big day today. It's International Women's Day uh, and female empowerment and sport have a long history going back. Uh, so I've got a new team of pundits in here. Well, I've got some familiar faces. I've still got uh, Hugh and Mr. Morris in here. But I've been joined by, uh, and actually Natalia J. but I've been joined by two other great sportswomen, uh, uh, Emily S., and also Miss Simmons. So, uh, Emily, just turning to you, if you'd just like to introduce yourself uh, and tell us a bit about your sporting background, basically. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm Emily. My sporting background, well, I run in circles a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> I quite, guess lo- it's, quite long circles, <laughs> quite, I think. It's comparable to ro- rowing down a river backwards, but I think running in circles <laughs> slightly drives you insane. But I still do it. Um, yeah, and what, what has running given me? Well, it's given me a lot of drive. It's given me commitment. It's given me um, things that I wouldn't learn from anywhere else, really. And I think it's sort of forged my kind of personality, for good or for bad. I mean, um, but yeah, I love it. And it's a, it's a strange thing to love, but yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And, and Miss Simmons, what about your uh, sporting history? Um, well... Okay, so I would say from a young age, my parents basically got me and my siblings to do any sport they could possibly get us to do. And because we were all basically the same age, they just chucked us into any sort of team sport and we would basically make up half the team. So I've, I've yeah, I've been playing at hockey since I can remember. My dad was a hockey player and used to take us um to his matches and we would just like play on the side when I could barely walk I think um so that was sort of like my main sport growing up but then I've done a lot of dance and gymnastics and tennis isn't there a famous uh cricket uh local newspaper headline involving you and your twin sister yes yes. for the for for all you cricket fans (laughs) out there it's it's a predictable one with a cricket term involving the word twinning yeah the spin twins yeah we made the uh the headline of the paper it was because me and my twin sister i think we were like maybe we were still in primary school and we played for like bath second team or something women's and they were quite good like i don't really know why we were asked to do it but we were and um we ended up like bowling out more than half of the team on our like debut and so everyone thought oh my god these girls are so good at cricket and then I think we then played more matches and they realized that we weren't quite as good as they thought originally what was it was it off spin or leg spin (laughs) (laughs) honestly I think it was just anything that would get to the end of the wicket Uh, well, no, but what a great, what a great story. And Miss yeah. Simmons, Miss Simmons also, did, didn't you used to do a bit of sports work back in the day? You worked at the Olympics, did you? Did I? Way back when, or did <laughs> you not? I wish I did. Or have I just made that no, up? No, I didn't, but my brother did. Your brother did. Yeah. Oh, right, okay. My older brother has worked at like the yeah. past couple yeah. of um, Paralympics. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so he gets like flown all over the world to, to do it. But no, I haven't. <laughs> no, well, we'll move on for your brother because we want to talk about women today on the show. So Natalia, um, and what about you? What got you into rowing? What's the history there? Um, well, I've kind of dabbled in a lot of sport. I think my parents really wanted me to be sporty. My dad did cross country. My mum did hockey, some like professional hockey of some sort. So they tried to get me into sport. Like We tried synchronised swimming. I preferred oh. fencing and karate. We tried ballet. I preferred jujitsu, so that obviously didn't work. Then <laughs> I came to England, and my mum heard I was going to play hockey, and she was so excited I was going to be her protege. Then I was deemed a bit too aggressive, and I didn't enjoy it. So I did sailing, and I did water sports. And then when I came to Bryanston, uh, I joined Christmas term of D. So that's the first time. I don't know if now you can do it in the first term, but it meant that I could join rowing. And I was like, well, I don't like netball. That's too aggressive. Don't really like any of the other sports. I'll give row and go. And it's been the only sport I've done since, really. I think because I could see myself getting physically stronger with it. Um, I really like the community that we have at Bryanston. We all kind of uplift each other. And the coaches were really supportive. So I just kind of stuck with it. And through the good and the bad, I just wouldn't quit. So I'm still here four and a half years later. And... Aiming high, yeah. Fantastic, yeah. fantastic. So, uh, ladies, I just want to pick up one little thing. So, so all the the sports that you all play, so hockey, rowing, and athletics, can uh, both be can both be done by men or, or are very popular with men and women. Um, how have you how have you found that? Do you enjoy training with boys, uh, Emily? I, can I start with you? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely with endurance sports, there's definitely a physical element which uh, you can't. You can't be, win as a woman, well, most of the time. But it, training with boys and girls, it's definitely very, um, yeah, it's very competitive. I mean, I train with lots of guys and we have a bit of a, it's good because it, it sort of motivates me, it motivates them. Um, and is training with people who are sort of physically a lot stronger than you really sort of, uh, you, you don't compare yourself to them because you can't, but you, you just sort of, yeah, you're motivated to sort of run at their speed or to train at their intensity. Um, but there's, yeah, there's definitely a place for it. I think the most exciting sports are the mixed sports. I think um, single sex sports are a bit sort of, yeah, I'm not sure. I wouldn't want to, I think what I love about running is that although, um, oh sorry, I don't compete against boys, we train with them, we go to matches with them, like it's very integrated and I think that really gets a kind of, yeah, really great sort of buzz that doesn't sort of segregate people because I think having girls football, girls rugby, I mean sorry, yeah, girls rugby, boys football, whatever, anything split, it slightly divides, um, it just sort of divides a bit more and shows the disparities and you're always comparing the two. Yeah, mm. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Natalia and Miss Simmons, what do you make of, what's the vibe like at the Bow House in um, terms of boys and girls? I. It's kind of changed over the years. I mean, I've always done kind of, I mean, in sailing it's mixed. And I really do, I mean, the boys are so supportive of me. Obviously, I don't compare myself to them because they're getting insane times, like 30, 40 seconds faster than me. And I can't be like, oh, I wish I could do that. But they are so supportive when I hit PBs, like, yeah, let's go. Or if I'm in the gym and I'm doing weights, I will square up to them and be like, yeah, my biceps are bigger than yours. <laughs> Even though they're not, I will still say it. Um, but it's been kind of rocky. I think you do get prejudice in sport as girls. And I think maybe because we kind of grown up together, the last four years I don't know if it increases tolerance or understanding but I mean I've never had any of the boys make any kind of sexist comment in sport which maybe I would have experienced from someone who does like 
boys football and not with girls or I don't know what what the reasoning is but the boys are always very supportive of me and I've never had any problems with it so I don't know if that's because so we trained, trained together. So you slightly preempted a question that I was going to post Miss Simmons who's maybe had a slightly longer sporting career have you ever experienced any sort of sexism in a sporting context Miss Simmons or or, or or not? Um, If I'm being totally honest I don't really think so. Yeah. I think um, just whilst these two were speaking it just sort of made me think about hockey in regards to like when I was playing at school and when I was training younger, um, whether that was at club or yeah, or at school, it, we would always be separate. Yeah. Um, and it was very evident that the games are actually quite different. So women play hockey in a very different way to how men would play hockey. And it's and as you grow, it starts to become quite a different game. Mm -hmm. So you start. I think when I was under nines we used to play together mm -hmm. and then it separates mm -hmm. and it separates forever essentially mm -hmm. um so it becomes very sort of uh, gendered in that way but then i think when i got to uni we then did mixed hockey and there are like mixed hockey leagues that you can do in the summer and stuff but i never did that um until i got to uni and it was then when you start to realize that actually both versions of this game can come together and actually you end up challenging each other differently and probably in a better way to better yourself and also the the boys that play yeah this might be a good moment to bring in uh, perhaps Hugh for starters so Hugh I, I was reading an, a little article article in a publication that will remain uh, nameless that you wrote about women's cricket um, uh, which is very interesting what, what I know you're a big fan what, what do you love so much about women's cricket well, I mean, I don't really see too much of a difference between women and men's cricket. Yes, maybe the bowling's slightly slower. Maybe they can't hit the ball so far, but the game can adapt to that. Boundaries are brought in. There's this, there can be slightly different fielding restrictions, and overall, it's it's still a brilliant spectacle, and it can still be down to four runs to win off one ball. And who wouldn't want to watch that? Absolutely. Um, and, and, and the sort of skills, what would you say about the skill sets in the women's game? Would you say they're largely similar or different in some regard well i the the skills are the same power hitting may be lacked but that can be come up with by by beautiful power um by beautiful cover drives taking magnificent magnificent catches nat siver hit 100 the other day mm -hmm. at a strike rate of 130 odd and mm -hmm. that that wasn't just whacking the ball around like a chris gale but that was just timing and elegance and of course the great uh sarah taylor was commonly regarded as the most uh, naturally gifted wicketkeeper uh, of her era. Do you, did you watch much of her? Yeah, she, she and Amy Jones are the two English keepers who've, who've inspired me to take up the gloves myself. Their reactions, the speed of their hands, it's incredible. And it's a lot better than the likes of Joss Butler and Johnny Bester. So there you go. There you go, listeners. If you ever thought cricket was uh, a boys sport, there's uh, a great cricketer who's been inspired by uh, by uh, great female players um, of the game, which is uh, very exciting. So just getting uh, back, um, perhaps, uh, Emily, for starters. Overall, do you feel like sport has been something that's been empowering to you throughout your life? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a huge element of confidence that you gain from yourself outside your comfort zone or um just pushing yourself to the limits uh yeah in every way i think i get confidence from my sport i get feel empowered i feel yeah I, a day a week without sport i feel very low um maybe that's a bad thing maybe i'm slightly addicted but um definitely something 
you can't really live without, I don't think. Natalia, would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. I kind of feel, I mean, I so when I had COVID, I, had a, I was in isolation for 10 days and um, day eight, I kind of hit a bit of a low and was making weights out of putting books in a washing basket and doing push, like bench press with that and then filling my tuck box and doing the same thing because it was a bit more stable. And I mean, I think for me, um, my sport, there's quite a socialised element to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have a WhatsApp group chat um, all the senior boathouse members, and it's constantly blowing up. I mean, we're always sending each other memes or rowing facts, always like, whoa, look at this new kit or something. I don't know, something really <laughs> trivial, but it does make my day when I kind of get that message or two. So it did make me realise how much I did miss a sport in isolation. Yeah, and that's that's quite a nice segue into my next question, which was going to be, are you keen to carry on with your sports post Bryanston? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I kind of want to be the 90-year-old still doing like park run on the Saturday. I don't <laughs> Running know. Running hundreds That's, of miles. I'll see how long. After, yeah. after, after a little bit of uh, a roast dinner, or, well, before a roast lunch on a Sunday or whatever, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. I think it's, uh, it's uh, because we are all coming so like sedentary as a society, sitting down, and especially yeah. the lockdown, I think you just, yeah, keeping active. But for girls especially, I think there's a huge tendency, um, I've done a lot of sort of, um, research on this through like conferences at different schools that have been run about girls the drop off between the ages of sort of there was a BBC article on it today really I actually clicked on it yeah it was a study that um, when girls hit, hit teenage hit, like teenagehood kind of 15 uh, 14 there was I think it was like 45 percent decrease it might be higher I think it might be higher I think it's higher so, yeah. yeah and I was just blown away but I think it's very easy I could have, there were lots of times where I could have just given up um, in sport, but I kind of kept through and now I can't imagine not rowing. So I've applied to universities that all have rowing clubs. Well, that's a great, a great, a great note, I reckon, to finish this segment of the show on. From two uh, great Bryanson sportswomen saying, just keep going. Uh, and, and I think we can all firmly agree uh, that women's sport is, is absolutely fantastic. Uh, and, and, you know, a, a great advert for those who partake in it. We're going to go into a quick song, and when we come back, we're going to have the sporting headlines and scores. Away. It's like magic All 
Nine o'clock sporting news from the Bry Radio Studio. The classified scores. In hockey, Bryanston under 15A, 5, Moncton Coombe, 1. Bryanston under 15B, 3, Moncton Coombe, 2. In Champions League football, the half-time scores. Liverpool 4, Inter Milan 0, Bayern Munich 0, RB Salzburg 0. And in the first test against West Indies at North Sound, England are 241 for six. Which provides a great segue into our next section, which of course is cricket. And I have two uh, massive cricket fans uh, joining me again. Uh, We've got Hugh and Mr. Morris. But we're just going to have one final word uh, from Miss Simmons because she's not going to let this one go away. She has recalled one pretty shocking example of sexism from her sports career, which unfortunately blights our game of cricket. But we'll, we'll hear it, Miss Simmons. What was it? OK, so I reckon I was maybe year six and I was doing like a summer cricket camp. I'm sure we all did that in the studio. I'm sure we were all involved in those. Um, and I think me and my sister were the only girls in the whole camp. And these two boys, I remember their names. I'm not going to say who they no, are. I'm not going to out them, them But I remember who they were. And they basically were like, oh, I don't want to be on her team because she won't be able to catch the ball. Um, and then we did like this whole like catching game. And, of course, who won the catching game but me? And they were both out first round. And all of the other boys for the rest of the camp were like, I want to make sure I'm with Hannah. I want to make sure I'm with you. La, 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 la. So, in the end, it was all good for me, but... Not necessarily. At the time, I was very angry. Well, there you go. There is a message for all arrogant boys out there. Do not overestimate uh, your catching uh, ability and certainly do not bring sexism into it. Right, let's focus on some more positive, well, mixed cricket stuff. Let's start with uh, England because they, of course, are in the West Indies. They're a real bogey team, to be honest, in test cricket. Uh, uh, And it's the first test... Uh, of of the series out there. Hugh, what have you made of today's events and and what are your feelings about this series coming up? Well, despite having just slagged off Johnny Best, he has just gone and hit 100, which is a positive. However, having left Broad and Anderson at home, dropped plenty of other players, to then go and pick a team of Overturn, Wokes, Wood, Leach, where you've got Mahmood, Parkinson out on tour. I mean, are you really... Pressing the reset button, they again they were under thirty for three, thirty for four again. So it's not really going to plan. 
Yeah, I mean, it did certainly surprise um, a few England fans when they heard that, you know, uh, the the veteran and excellent uh, pairing of Stuart Broad and James Anderson, who have well over a thousand test wickets between them, uh, were left out in conditions that normally favour them. Mr. Morris, what did you make of that decision? I mean, I don't think it's the best decision for English cricket right now. I yeah. think we're not blessed in the pace bowling department. And um, for me, I'd have kept going with Broad and Anderson until at least our summer this year. So they make sure they definitely get a send-off they deserve in front of a home crowd at the Oval on the final day of the cricketing summer. Um, and similarly to Hugh, I think if you're going to press the reset button, I think picking Overton, Wokes, people that have struggled abroad in the past, isn't overly inspiring. Yeah, I mean, Craig Overton, his record outside of England must be appalling. Uh, uh, and, and, and I can't imagine Chris Wokes is much better, even if he has had a very successful uh, career um, in England. Guys, what are your predictions for this series? Because I, 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 look, I saw a stat the other day. It's well before West Indies' period of dominance um, that they last uh, won a test series. I think we might be going back perhaps to the 1960s. 2004 it was. But in, in West Indies. 2004. We won a test series. Are you sure about that? I, I, I heard this on the news this morning, I think. I'm not sure we won. Yeah, I think they, we might have drawn. <laughs> they toured in 2019, the start of 2019. I think they went 2-1 down. They collapsed to Roston Chasers. Yeah, well, it's... Unspinning mm, off breaks. Well, exactly. It's, it's a story of collapses. I think we got bowled out by... I remember Jerome Taylor uh, once bowling us out for 48 or something. Uh, uh, so even since, I think what we're saying is even since the, 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 the golden age of, of West Indies cricket came to an end, England haven't done very well there. Why do we think that might be, chaps? Any ideas? Uh, well, there's been lots of talk about the, how, who the county game is producing. They've, they've scored runs, they've averaged 40, which isn't too high compared to several years ago on county championship pitches against medium pace bowlers, but then when they come into the test arena, straight away they just nick off, get bowled, but they find a weakness. Maybe they'll make one comeback, hit 100, several 50s, but then they'll go back into the single figure scores. Yeah, and I mean, it's hard really for us to, for the non-cricket fan to comprehend the difference between, say, batting at, let's say, Grace Road in April to batting uh, at Barb in Barbados, which Mr. Morris, I believe, has done uh, in March, is, I don't know, I mean, I can't even think of a sporting analogy to compare it to. Uh, do you reckon, Mr. Morris, the challenge is too great for the modern-day English batsman to adapt to uh, overseas conditions? I mean, potentially, I think maybe we don't prepare our players well enough. I think, like, Hughes and... Um alluded to with the county game, I think there's a potential thing to look at with the county game. Could we have some overseas fixtures at the start of the season instead of producing green tops in England in early April and making players bat on unfriendly wickets? Maybe we could look to play in the West Indies or in the subcontinent and adapt our players to it. I mean, throughout the county championship, there's overseas players from the likes of the West Indies, India, Australia. They come over and get experience in our, in our conditions. Maybe that's the thing we can look at as an ECB to send our players abroad. Yeah, and it should be said, actually, today on today's showing, it's not all bad news because, as Hugh said, uh, Johnny Bairstow is continuing mm. his run of excellent form after that, uh, uh, well, that standout innings in Sydney uh, in the Ashes. Uh, looks like he's made another sort of counter-attacking, counter-punching uh, 100 after really a, a fairly dismally, uh, typically dismal showing from the England top order, uh, bowled out by uh, uh, the veteran Seema uh, Kimar Roach. Uh, 
do we reckon England have a hope in this series, Hugh? I I don't see why not. New, yeah. um, the West Indies have been equally fragile. Um, but I think if England want a real chance, maybe they're going to have to pick Matt Parkinson. This pitch has been pretty slow, unresponsive for the quickies. And if you've got someone who's spinning at miles, then why wouldn't you pick him over Jack Leach who's been tried and repeatedly failed? Yeah, and I mean, it should be said, if you look down the West Indi- the current West Indian batting lineup, they're not household names. I mean, you've got Craig Brathwaite in there who's played uh, a reasonable amount of test cricket, but not much else. Their bowling attack is decent. Kemar Roach and Jason Holder and Alzari Joseph. Uh, a bit of spin in there as well. But, you know, this is not a... I think what we should say is this is not a great test team. And if England aren't uh, beating West Indies away from home, serious questions need to be asked. And, and, and you know, to, to not pick Broad and Anderson, you really are uh, taking a big risk. Moving on, I guess, from English cricket, boys, there have been some other interesting test matches going on. Well, one not very interesting. <laughs> uh, have you seen the, the sort of uh, run fest that has been this, uh, the Australia's first test pack in, back in Pakistan for God knows how long? Um, have you seen much of this, Hugh? Yes, I have seen that Pakistan have had 400s, including a twin ton for, um, twin tons, and so one ton in both innings for Imanol Hag. Completely fat. Australia managed to take four wickets for 738 runs across the five days. Bit of rain. Australia also managed to score well over 400. Marnus Labasin, Usman Khawaja together were very close to um, hundreds, 97 and 90. And Smith got a few as well. And now in the third innings, just get this, listeners, Pakistan are 252 for none. So if anyone could do quick maths, that's sort of well over a thousand runs. Uh, in total, uh, for the loss of not many wickets for what for for fourteen, so uh, a pretty pretty flat flat deck. What about India Sri Lanka? Did anyone see this? Um, I watched a bit of this, and I have to say, uh, one of the most underrated all rounders of all time, uh, Ravindra Jadeja. Hugh, did you see any of this? Um, I saw a bit, not as much as I'd have liked to, but Ravindra Jadeja. What what a game first ever cricketer to take nine for and over 150 in a game he got a five for 175 incredible and if someone's performing like that there's going to be hard for a not brilliant Sri Lankan team who've just come off a 3-0 defeat in the 2020s to do something about against arguably the best test team in the world exactly and and almost unstoppable at home I mean Ashwin and Jadeja are a formidable duo which brings us on to really I mean in talking of spin really probably the biggest and and undoubtedly the most depressing uh, news of the week uh, 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 in terms of cricket the great uh, leg spinner uh, the cricket world was shocked uh, I think it was on Sunday night to hear the great leg spinner uh, Shane Warne, actually sorry, Friday night, Shane Warne um, has sadly uh, passed away uh, whilst in his flat in Thailand. Uh, and this guy, I don't know whether I speak for those in the studio, I mean, a real icon of the game. I mean, I got into cricket, uh, as did so many others of my generation, in the 2005 Ashes. Uh, and my memories of that series, I mean, just watching this, I mean, just bewitching bowler to be honest i mean we haven't seen the like of him since we will probably never see the like of him again uh not just the unbelievable deliveries but just the constant stranglehold uh that he had over english batsmen mr morris do you, do you have similar mary memories uh, yeah absolutely so the reason i love the game of cricket and play the game of cricket is due to that 2005 ashes series and um 
Yeah, Warren was one of my all-time icons. Um, having been fortunate enough to spend a year in Australia following school, working in a school there, um, I got a lot closer to a lot of the Aussie sporting icons. And yeah, to to lose him at 52, um, I think it's a great shame for the game. And I think what summed it up perfectly is I actually read a quote the other day that said um, that Shane Warren in the buffet of life, he ate well. And um, he, I think for many people, showed that cricket could be cool. And that cricket, you could be um, anything you want to be in the game. You didn't have to be a fast, a fast bowler. Um, and yeah, scoring handy runs at number eight, like famously, never scored a test hundred um, with a high score of ninety nine. But you know, I think, um, think unbelie- um, yeah. unbelievable hands at slip. Yeah, did yeah. Drop, that famous one in the, the five series. Yeah, yes, perhaps cost Australia the Ashes. Yeah, I, I, I know exactly what you mean. You know, we. We live in a generation of quite sterile sportsmen, yeah. uh, and you know he was Shane Warne. Shane Warne, you know, he was he wasn't a perfect human being. It has to be no. said, but he was certainly uh, the sort of character that people, you know, he cleared bars at grounds. I think that's probably the best way of putting it, um, uh, uh, and will be remembered mostly for his on-field brilliance. Hugh, what, what do you have many? I mean, uh, Shaman was probably before much of your time as a cricket watcher, but have you seen much of him uh, sort of on highlights and stuff? Well, uh, si- since he died, the the miracle ball that's been going around everywhere on social media, but that's that's spun incredibly, and I I have I don't know anything about leg spin, but what he's done to the game, he's changed it. There's got there can't be a coincidence that most of the best. Uh, 2020 bowlers happen to be leg spinners like nine of the top 10 mm-hmm. in ODI rankings he's inspired so many and it's a real shame to see him go even from a selfish view of like watching him on TV looking at what what he picks up mm. from behind the mic you can analyze he can help your game out personally as well yeah the ball of course which you is referring to is that bowl to Mike Gatting at Trent Bridge in 1993 Ashes which subsequently became known uh, as the ball of the century. One that stands out for me, uh, again, going back to the 2005 Ashes. Uh, 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 Mr. Morris, you'll remember this. The ball to Andrew Strauss yeah, at edge back. Absolutely. From round the wicket that almost pitched off the cut strip uh, was left by Strauss uh, and subsequently uh, ended up hitting his leg stump. If I could just add maybe one more thing about what Jim want to think. If I could urge, even if you're not a cricket watcher, I think a great way to start Shane Warne was he did a he did a load of masterclasses for Sky Sports, mm-hmm. and lots of former players have done them. But I think Shane Warne's was by far the most informative, and it was so interesting to see an absolute icon of our sport explaining all the little niche details that he went into, and he was always so willing to pass his his expertise on to the next generation, like Hugh intimated. And um, I think that's me the the biggest miss is not having him not coming into the summer and not hearing his voice on. In the commentary box, it's going to be a real mess. Yeah, I mean, I remember again, just you've sparked an memory that I remember watching uh, when I was probably about Hugh's age, a, a big bash game where Warren was right at the tail end of his career. And he was, he was, he, it was in the early days of 2020 where they sometimes used to commentate whilst playing. Uh, and Brendan McCullum came in. <laughs> and this was a, a, a shame Warren well into his 40s, well past his best. And I think it was someone like uh, Damian Fleming on commentary and said, how, how are you going to how are you going to get Baz out, i.e. Uh, uh, McCullum? And he said, oh, I'm just going to fire. I think he's going to sweep. So I'm going to fire him one flat. And sure enough, he next ball, uh, Brendan McCullum, probably at that stage, the best 2020 batsman in the world, went to sweep, warm fired one in flat, took out his leg stump and, you know, the 40 year old genius uh, defeated 
you know, the current superstar. And, you know, I think we'll, we'll call it there on the Warn Track because I imagine it's something that us cricket badgers could probably go on forever. But, you know, I mean, I think all our listeners will agree, those of you who love your cricket and those of you who don't because he, he's one of these sort of uh, universal figures, a great tragic loss um, to the world of sport. So R.I.P. Uh, the great Shane Warne. Right, so moving on, chaps. Let's talk a bit about rugby. I know we uh, we normally talk a lot more about rugby. We got we're so busy today, but it is uh, coming to the business end of you know the greatest uh, rugby championship in the world, which of course is the Six Nations Championship. I am very well uh, accompanied here by Mr. Morris and Hugh F, both of whom uh, love their rugby. Uh, Hugh, I'm going to start with you. Talk to us. Well, I'll start with the match that I was most interested in. Wales, England, pretty un- pretty unlucky result for Wales. I'm not... The the ref, I don't really like blaming refs, but he was a bit off the pace. Maybe the try from the line-out, Okay, so we're, we're, we're going back to February, people, and we're having a moan. <laughs> okay, we'll keep going with that, though, you. Keep going. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Wales' discipline ultimately cost them, even if it wasn't the the refs fault there were some stupid penalties first half going 12 nil down then 17 nil down teams don't come back from that in twickenham and do you think that is do you think that result has has is a big one in the course of the championship i hate to say it but i think that's probably knocked wales and scotland out france still on for the grand slam well, at least until friday when wales play them um <laughs> scotland out of the running so uh, England, Ireland, still just about in it, but it require probably an upset against France for them to get get their hands on the trophy. So we've actually got the slightly awkward situation uh, here as a well as a Wales fan uh, that you, we're you're we're relying on you to do us a favour. <laughs> yeah, well, I I have worked it out, and Wales can still win the Six Nations Championship if they if they beat France, but I, it's very unlikely. But yeah, it's either England or Ireland who would win if France do slip up. And they are well known as Wales' worst enemies. And what are your calls, Hugh, for the results this weekend? So uh, who have you got playing? Wales versus France. I've just seen that Antoine Dupont could be injured and I'll back Wales in the Principality. We'll like that. We'll uh, like Italy, that. Scotland. Mm, yeah, you don't really need too much on that. That's going to be Scotland pretty easily. And then Ireland, England. Ireland going to Twickenham it's going to be a big day for them Johnny Sexton's coming back he's just announced he'll retire after the 2023 World Cup but I don't think that England are going to do too much to challenge them if Ireland get their back line going get some forward dominance especially in the scrum where England have struggled then it, yeah I reckon it's going to be Ireland's victory and Mr Morris any thoughts are on this weekend's uh, games and I think I'd, uh, I would actually Probably go against what Hughes said about the Wales-France game. Um, I think it's France's grand slam to lose this year. Um, I think they're by far probably the most complete team in world rugby at the moment. And um, yeah, watching Dupont, as a former nine myself, watching Dupont is a pleasure to watch every, each week. And his link up with Entomac is just brilliant to watch. Um, again, like Hugh, I think it'd be very one-sided. In Rome, I think Scotland will walk over Italy. That could be a very high scoreline, I think. And... Again, I'm actually going to go against you. I think England at HQ, at Twickenham, I think will get the job done. I think it'll be a very big and symbolic win for this New England side, led by Marcus Smith. 
Um, I think this could be a symbolic win in the new regime. Fantastic. And who are we calling chaps for, for the, the championship? Because by the next sports show, it should be said, people, by the next episode of Sports Talk, the Six Nations will have been decided. Who, who will have uh, the cherished prize, Mr. Fraser? I think I'm going to go France, although last weekend, last match of the championship will be England versus France. And if England win, then that could rip the whole tournament open. However, I reckon Ireland could pounce it at the last minute if France do, uh, um, uns- if they do um, surprisingly slip up. And Mr. Morris, what are your, what's your call? I'm going to echo my thoughts. I think it's France's grand slam to lose. I think the, I think the championship is heading to Paris this year. I don't see anyone stopping them this tournament. Fantastic chaps. There we go. So uh, France or England for the championship. We're going to play one final quick song. And when we get back, we're going to have uh, a sports talk first, which is F1. And we're going to be previewing the upcoming season. Hold on for a second. Thank you for that, MJ. Uh, just a final uh, segment for us here. And this is going to be, for the first time on Briar Radio, as I said, or not on Briar Radio, actually on Sports Talk, a bit of F1. Uh, we're just sampling the F1 theme here. We can't hear anything, but hopefully it comes out. <laughs> and I'm joined here uh, by uh, Bet. Oh, there we go. There it oh, is. It's beautiful. Um, that, that's why we want it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm joined here by two uh, self-proclaimed F1 fanatics, uh, Alfie, uh, and Ben, and I'm pretty much going to leave it to them. So I think they're going to tell us a bit about uh, how F1 works and uh, their calls for the upcoming season. Yeah. All right, let's quick fire this. I'll start off first. So there's 10 teams, 20 drivers. So two teams per, two drivers per team. Pretty simple. Uh, and then there's 25 tracks in total. So that's 25 races. Mm-hmm. The teams consist, the main ones you would have heard of are Ferrari, Mercedes, Red Bull. And then there's a bunch of other teams. Yeah. To explain the teams, there's mainly two or three teams that are really going for the champion title. And then there'll be teams fighting for the middle. So not F1's not all about going for to win the championship because not all teams can actually fight for that championship. No, it's, it's quite biased in the way that a lot of teams get. So, for example, Mercedes, they're very successful because they get a lot more funding than smaller teams. 
Um, so you've got teams fighting in between each other in this table, for example, McLaren and Ferrari, who are pretty much always either third or fourth uh, best teams. They're constantly fighting for that position. Uh, yeah, exactly. And then you have teams, like I said, McLaren Red Bull, they will be fighting for the pole position. It's very tight between them. They've got, I would say, the two best drivers yeah. out in all of F1 at the moment. So that's Max Verstappen, who drives for Red Bull, and then Lewis Hamilton, who drives for Mercedes. It's, mm. It is always extremely tight racing between them. Well, it's either extremely tight or not tight at all. No, it's 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 pretty much F1. I mean, a lot of people say F1's boring, which I can see if you pick the right race. Some sometimes they're just cars going around circuits, but other times it'll be very interesting. It really depends on how the race goes. And chaps, for for those of us who aren't very educated, how how important is the off season in F1? So has much been going on in the world of F1 since since the final race of last season? Uh, yes. So a lot. So that's when the getting all their well they've by the end of the season they kind of know what their 2022 cars will look like mm-hmm. um so they will get it already and then the main thing they get ready for is to showcase the car to everyone how are they going to do it how can they do it different to other teams it's quite interesting how they do it yeah um and they do testing as well uh, in off season and they'll introduce people to their teams and everything so they'll bring on new members um some some teams might not um like redo their car as much as others. For example, Haas, which is a, probably one of the smallest teams right now, um, the only American team. Last year, they didn't change their car because they don't have the funding for it, but this year they've got an all new one, so it should be looking better for them. And uh, when does the season actually start? Is it a couple of Sundays time? Ooh, it's on the board. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Barring um, test this week. 18th of March. 18th of March. Wow. Look at that. Um, <laughs> the biggest thing that, um, after every F1 season, there's a Netflix show called Drive to Survive. Okay. This is one of my favorite Netflix shows. Yeah. Because it's dramatized completely. So yeah. they pick um, so different, so from different races, they will pick when the teams, when the drivers speak to their team. But then they'll bring them into one race to make it more dramatic. Yeah. I, I explained that quite yeah, badly. No, no, I get exactly what you mean. You know, those those of us who are cricket fans will have seen the test on Amazon, for example, a sort of, you know, a real interesting insight into the world of professional sport and a professional um, sort of dressing room. Uh, mm. But you, we all know, I think, deep down, that they've been slightly hyped up. But yeah, r- really, for us sports fans, a great new genre of entertainment, these sort of sporting uh, yeah. docu yes, exactly. I guess. So, yeah. chaps, what are your predictions for the upcoming season? Uh, well, my personal predictions is uh, Red Bull will stay on top because they've got both uh, Max Verstappen and oh my god, I've had Perez. Perez, yeah. uh, and McLaren still has Lewis Hamilton, who's incredible, and I think it will stay incredible. But they're um, bringing Mercedes on. Not oh my god, sorry, <laughs> Mercedes still has Lewis Hamilton, um, but they're bringing on someone called oh, I've had George, Russell, George Russell. That's it. Yeah. God, it's a lot of pressure being live on there. I do this every week, but it feels weird. Yeah, so they've got George Russell, who has just come from uh, Williams. That's it. Um, yeah, there and, we go. There we go. Yeah, I, he's he's where well, he was in a F. He was been a Mercedes car once this mm-hmm. um, uh, last season, uh, due to Bottas. No, due to Lewis Hamilton yeah. having COVID. Yeah, which is what they were dealing with last year. Um, so and he d- did actually do better than Bottas, um, but I George Russell has a lot of potential in this car. He does, but I don't think he will be 
fighting for the top position. No, but right you've moment. got a lot of interesting drivers this season as well. You've got a lot of young ones that are quite high up now. Like you've got um, George Russell, Lando Norris. Lando Norris joined F1 when he was only 17. Mm-hmm. George Russell, very similar age. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Mick Schumacher, Michael Schumacher's prodigy, hopefully. Um, I- well, thank you very much for that, boys. And, and yeah. what would you say to someone like me in terms of getting into F1 this season? Watch Drive to Survive. Watch Drive to Survive. It, it, well, yeah. A lot of people I've talked to that are into F1 now, I'm like, how did you first get into it? They're like, I watched Drive to Survive. Yeah, exactly. Watch Drive to Survive. That's yeah. the main thing. It pulls you straight into it and it gets you ready for the season because yeah. it will come out before the season actually starts. Well, there you go, guys, from our new F1 pundits. A recommendation there, Watch Drive to Survive. Uh, and and I think that's probably going to bring uh, pretty much uh, to, uh, us to the end of the show. It's coming up to half past nine. Thank you very much uh, uh, to listening to Sports Talk today. Uh, as I said, that's about it from us, uh, the Bri Radio team. We'll next be hitting your airwaves in the final week of term on Tuesday, March the 22nd. Uh, in the meantime, there are two bumper uh, Bri Sports weekends uh, coming up. And by then, we'll also know who's won the Six Nations Championship. We'll also see the first uh, race of the season and we'll be well into the England uh, West Indies Test uh, Series. So lots for you, to, uh, for all you sports uh, fans to get your teeth into over the next fortnight. I've been Dr. Pullen. It's been a pleasure having you uh, and we'll, we'll speak again uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Bye-bye for now. Good- Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA.